Thank you for that. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doeth not, doth not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build the tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have significant to finish it, lest after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, but was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth down not first, and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else why the other is yet a great while off, he sendeth an embassy and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. Who wants to be his disciple today? You may be seated. Um, This passage of scripture, Jesus had just been giving his followers a parable. And this parable was telling them to go into the highways and the byways and let my house be filled He was encouraging them to seek out the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. Really, anybody that will come. That's important. It's important for us to go out and seek anyone that will and bid them to come. There's nowhere like the house of the Lord. There's nowhere like the table of the Lord. And you know, I've been a part of a lot of the planning of services, of events um, that are focused on this, getting people into the door. Um, I'll be honest, here at Westman Row, we're kind of the, I'll, I'll praise you all, you guys are the masters of making people feel welcome at home. And uh, we, we have programs teaching people how to say hi We have programs teaching people how to teach people how to say hi. We know how to pull down the red carpet and say, come on, welcome in. That's something we deem very important here. I'm thankful for that. I have talked to people that say that they don't experience that in their church. And so that's an amazing thing that we have at West Monroe. And and I I believe we see this, this this extends to the, the music, the preaching, the teaching, I, I know pastor or bishop has told the story many times of the man that complained to his pastor and said, every time that I come into your service, you preach the same two messages. Of course, we know that's Easter and Christmas. You know, when we, when we have those events, when we have those times where we're compelling people to come, a lot of times we really spice up that message. 
We spy, we're, we're, we're compelling them. We want, we want to show them the goodness of God. When I'm at work and I'm trying to tell those that need to hear them, I'm, I'm telling them of all the things God's done for me and how wonderful, how wonderful living for the Lord is. And it is. Yet Jesus goes about it a little differently. You see, Jesus compels them to go and to bring people. And the scripture says, and when they had done that, when there was a great multitude with them, he turned and said unto them this, if any man come to me and hate not his father, his mother, his wife, his children, brother and sisters, yea, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now think about that. Imagine you have been working on this person for work for five years you bring him to the house. You've been telling him all about what Jesus can do to you. And you walk up and the preacher says, hey, if you don't hate your father and mother, you get out of here. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, he just compelled them. Bring them. Go get those in need. Go get everyone that will hear the gospel. I'm ready to preach. And then he does. And the first thing Jesus does is challenge them to be his disciple. You see, there's nothing more characteristic of the teaching of Jesus than his insistence upon the duty of self-sacrifice. Again and again, he goes back to the same thought that a man must lose his life to gain his life. That no man can be his disciple unless he deny himself, take up his cross and follow him. And no man can serve two masters. There were apparently no sayings of Jesus which made a similar impression upon his hearers. And yet, this message has given us in the modern Christian world more difficulty. I'll say it's given me more difficulty than any other message I could ever hear. You see, it fit, it fit well in the age of the martyrs, but it seems entirely out of place today in this age of conventional Christianity. You see, God is always calling people higher because when we surrender more of us, he can reveal more of himself. You see... I am not able to truly see what God can do until I take my eyes off the things I want to do, the things I want him to do, or the things that I've seen him do before and I expect him to do again. It's when I take my eyes off those things, the things that all are prefaced with I want, I desire, I need, that I can truly see him. And enjoy the beautiful nature of him. God is looking for a church, as Brother Jordan preached a couple weeks ago, to stretch beyond themselves. He's, he's asking us, he's looking for the church that says, I want to increase my faith. Show us, Lord, increase our faith so he can fill us with that mustard seed faith that can move mountains. There's a story in 2 Samuel, chapter number 23. It's really mind-blowing. 
we know we know that we know David, we know the story of David. I'm just going to read it really quick starting in verse number 12, but he being David stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. And he slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. And the 3 or in the th- the three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam, and the troop of the Philistines pitched the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in a hold, and in a garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed, and he said, Oh, that one could give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Have you ever been there? You ever just, you've ever seemed like the enemy was all around you and you're just like, oh, if I could just, if I could just get back. If I could get in the presence of the Lord. And the third, and three of the mighty men broke through the hosts of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out to the Lord. We see David is here desiring the Lord, desiring the sweet water of Bethlehem. And he has these mighty men, and Bethlehem is consumed with the Philistines. And these mighty men of his says, if that's what you want, David... That's what you're going to have. And they fight. They go through armies and armies of men to get just one drink for David. Talk about love. Looking for one drink. And David looks at that drink and he says, Wow. You went through all of this for me. I'm not worthy of that. So I'm going to pour it out as an offering before the Lord. What can ha- would happen if God's bride would say, Lord, anything you want me to do today. I will do anything you ask me to do. Not what I want him to want me to do, but what he wants me to do. Not when it's convenient for me, not when it's easy for me, but when he calls me to do something. I want to be like these men that say, Lord, what would you have? What would you desire? You see, I often become like the rich young ruler who desires to do a thing for the Lord. But there's a point. There's a point where I say, Lord, I... I, I, I've, I've studied, I know you, I love you, I've, I've served you, I've done all these things, but that I'm not willing to give. God's calling on men and women to bring him the cup. Can you imagine what that rich young ruler would have done? What God would have done in him? What purpose God had for his life? If he could have just gave it, given it all. If he could have just said, you know what, Lord? You can do more with this than I could ever do. Think of what God could do. You see, God is calling me 
higher for a purpose. Can you say that? God is calling me higher for a purpose. I think so many times in my life when I, I, I think about the Lord yearning and beckoning me, and, it's, and I'm always thinking about it from that vantage point of what is God doing in me? But again, what could God have done through the rich young ruler? It wasn't about his salvation. Think about what God could have done. Ezekiel chapter number 37, a very familiar passage of scripture, says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about and behold, there were many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. How many of us have, how many of us walk in the spirit so much that everywhere that we go, we recognize the dry bones? How many times do I walk in to the places that I go and I don't see the bones all around me? Have I drifted so far that when I'm on the job, when I'm in my home, when I'm with my friends, have I lost the ability to see the bones? You see, the Lord set him down in the midst of the valley, and I think so many times that is us. We walk around daily in the middle of dry bones, but because we have not laid our life down, the Lord can't open our eyes. Am I so self-centered that I can stand in the middle of the greatest mission field of my life and not see the bones? And you know, sometimes maybe I have been praying a little bit more. Maybe I have been... Tr- seeking after God, but I become like Ezekiel. I see the bones. But when he said, when the Lord says, hey, can these bones live? I say, I don't know. How many have been praying for a miracle in your family and you just have got to the point where you're saying, God, I don't know if you can do it. Be honest. I know you can do it, but will you do it? That's where Ezekiel is. He's standing in the midst. He can see all around him, but he's like, Lord, I don't know. You're the only one that knows if it's going to happen. But the scripture says, again, he said unto me, catch this. God does not say these bones are going to get up when I speak. What he says is prophesy unto the bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
You see, God is trying to get us at West Monroe to realize that us being disciples is not about us. Us being disciples is so we can speak to the dry bones. There are bones that are there that he is choosing to wait on me to speak to. And if I am not willing to lay my cross down, pick up his cross and follow him, I can't speak to the dry bones. God wants to use you to bring the increase. But he can't do it until you decrease. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a loud noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. And he said unto me, again, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and, the wind, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied that as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood up on their feet, an exceeding great army. You see, it is our job to cause the dry bones to come alive. God has chosen to use us. Me and Brother Wright were talking about it before service. We have, because of man's sin, I, I think I preached this a couple weeks ago or a month or so ago about how I, I really believe that because in the garden when man decided, Lord, I want to, no good for evil for myself. And I wanted to siphon that thing. The Lord said, okay, I'll allow you to judge yourself. The problem is there's a way that seems right into a man. And it's not a good way. It ends in death. And we see throughout scripture, we see the Israelites asking for a king. He's like, I'm your king. I want to be your king. And they say, no, we want a king like them. We want to rule ourselves. We want to be consumed with ourselves. And it's amazing throughout history we see this happen. But God is rich in his mercy. And he allows us in that. He still chooses to use us. Brother Wright came up to me before service and confirmed this word to me without even knowing and I told him, I said, I'm so thankful that the Lord, even in my folly and even in my shortcomings, is willing to confirm his word in me. God wants to confirm his word through you. He wants to do the work through you. But do we see the bones? You see, it's the very dying to yourself that opens you up to see what God sees. It allows him to work through you in ways you just can't do on your own. Christ has, has called us to be a part of a tremendous revival, which we are seeing. We are seeing people baptized. We have one going to be baptized today. We are seeing the revival happen. I can't afford to put down my cross. 
I cannot afford to put down my cross. You see, I, I'll be honest. I, if I can take a second to be honest, the last few years have been, there's been quite a season of change in my life. Um, I was chatting with a friend of mine at the coffee shop that's next to uh, our, our barber shop, and, and I was just, we were just talking, and I started just kind of confessing some things to him, and, and I told him, I said, you know, since COVID, I've had a lot of amazing things happen in my life, but most of those things have been extremely uncomfortable, extremely fluid, seems like seems like things change all the time. And I, things like I went from being a non-parent to a parent. I went from a renter to a homeowner. And the last couple of months, that's not been a fun thing. Uh, I've went from being a pastor's son to a pastor's brother. I've went from being around people all the time to isolated and then kind of back with people all the time and then and dealing with the fact that I got used to being isolated, and as we all did with COVID, it just, think of the things that have happened. And I told them, I said, you know, sometimes I'm just like, where is the stability? Where was the stability that I've always thought God would give? He said this to me. He said, that is why it's so important to lose your life, Dustin. Because when it's not yours, it doesn't hurt when you lose it. And when you lose it, you find it. You see, when we are not in control of our lives, and it's God's, when we give him our life, when we give him everything that we are, when he takes us into uncomfortable places, we don't even recognize that we're there because it's, it, it doesn't hurt me. It's not my life anymore. It's his life. You see, the, the times in my life that God has moved the most, it's the times that I couldn't take any credit. The times I look back and say, man, God did a work. I, I can't believe it. Can you believe what God did? It's times that I had nothing to do with it. It was times that I couldn't get myself out of the situation if I wanted to. It's times in my life where he has used me the most. I've had to sit back and say, I didn't deserve that. I remember a time in Bible school when I was asked to give a testimony. And I was still living in the sin of the testimony. And God said, no, you give it. Like, how do you testify for something I'm not free of? <laughs> but I was obedient. And God ransacked that room. And God did for me and, by the way, took care of the issue in the moment. Because God works differently than I work. God understands things that I can't see. And he's asking us, just give it to me. Your life just Give it to me. Put it on the altar. Let me have it. See what I will do. You see, when we're sold out, we can do some crazy things. 
Acts chapter 5. We see this with the disciples. They, they're, they're beat for the name of Jesus. And the, the scripture says that they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. What? That makes no sense. We found, they, it said they counted them, they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer the shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and to preach. See, when we are sold out, we care not for our life. All the cares of this world, all the struggles that you're going through, when you lose your life, what does it matter? It's his. It's his. You see, Jesus himself knew this to be true. You see, the people might have wished to make him a king, but he chose he might be without a place to lay his head. His friends might have urged him to avoid the suffering and the death he foresaw awaiting him. And his, even his own nature cried out at Gethsemane, if this be possible, let this cut pass. But his choice was steady. He would give his life for others. He would seal the new covenant with his blood. He would draw men to the cross by, draw men to him by the cross. It was not that he wished this martyrdom, but that he saw his mission was too great to abandon any price. He too would not give his soul to gain the world, and therefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above all names. Jesus chose Calvary because our salvation was worth more to him than his own life. He endured the cross, despising the shame, not because he enjoyed this sacrifice, but it was the joy that was set before him, us. He saw us, and he knew that if I lay my life down, there's some bones that need to come alive. It's only if I go to the cross that these bones can come alive. And I'm closing with this. God is asking me today. I hope he's asking you today. Would I sacrifice my life, my purpose, for the kingdom's purpose? If I knew countless people would be saved... Would I sacrifice my time and my hobbies to spend more time reading the word, praying, fasting, if I trusted that I would see the bones come alive in my family? Would I lay aside every weight of sin if I knew God would use me to be a light to those looking for a peculiar people? Today, God is looking to breathe life into some dry bones. But he has chosen, I believe, this day, West Monroe, to be the ones that speak to the bones. I believe God has done some amazing things in this room today. But he didn't just do those amazing things for us to just go home and enjoy the blessings of God. No, he's still calling. He's still saying, hey... If you can't lay down your cross 
If you can't give up your life, you're not worthy to be my disciple. I think God is asking us today to take a step far beyond the blessing and say, God, where are the bones? Show me. I'm ready to prophesy. My children, I'm ready to prophesy. My coworker, I'm ready to prophesy. Where are they? Show me, God. And he's saying, okay, sacrifice your life. If you'll give your life, I will provide life for those bones today. So if we would just stand. Jesus, I thank you today. This isn't a new concept. This is the concept. God, you're calling us. You're calling me today. You're calling me to see. <laughs> if I'm going to see my coworkers saved, I'm going to have to die to me. My thoughts, my ideas. Gonna see my family saved, I'm gonna have to die to me. I'm gonna have to fall in love with you, but die to me. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would move in this place, that you would move right now. Help us, God, to lay aside every weight and every sin that would easily. Set us back, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray your spirit would awaken us to live as you lived. To live as you lived, laying down everything of us so that we might find those that need are lost, seeking and saving that which is lost. In Jesus' name, I want to invite you to come. Revival's here, and it's happening, but it's up to us. We can't. The Lord challenged me this week, just because you're seeing people baptized, and just because you're seeing new people come, you can't pause. You can't rest up. You can't let down your cross. There's still more bones that need to come alive.